Welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host, Jay Chima, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire, the Puma. Welcome in, Brother Ben. How you doing? Doing good, doing good. Uh, we, we had a, a good Super Bowl matchup, Rams and Bengals. Going to get into that in a minute. It's, uh, it's just crazy how fast the season went by. I know we said it at the top of the show last week, but um, I, I, Jay, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself for like 280 days of, of no football. Like, I, I, this is insane. Well, the countdown's on. Isn't it 204 days till the start of the next league year? Oh, I'm sorry, the yep. start of the next uh, football game season? Right, so, right, right. Yeah. Well, this is this is when you can get reacclimated with, with your spouse, your significant other, your family, you know. I know most of us, you know, men here in America, we kind of go away for the football season, you know. Well, at least the real men go away, you know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. we watch football, you know, and we beat men. And now we go back to our, our significant others, right, and our families. So Yeah, you think we're going time. off to war. <laughs> <This> <laughs> Well, I'll tell you what, Puma, like, I'm actually at that point now where I'm, like, starting to, like, decompress from the football season, and, like, I, I started getting to the point uh, in uh, last week around Thursdays when I started watching Yellowstone again, and that's, also, that's always when I know when I'm out of football season is when I can, like, start watching other shows, you know? And, yeah, there was still one, one Super Bowl game left, but at that point, I feel like everything kind of ramped down, and it was just that one, one event left, so... Um, I'm back on that on that bandwagon, and uh, I think I told you this over the chat. I think Laramie in season four, yes, that's that's the future, Mrs. Chima. That's where it's at. Wow, I'm not surprised. <laughs> not surprised at all. You know, big fan, big fan. But re- regards to Super Bowl Puma, I know we'll get to the game here in a second. But give me your thoughts on the commercial, the Super Bowl itself in LA, the halftime show, all of it. Give give me your thoughts on on the Super Bowl experience besides the game. Well, you know, for the Super Bowl, I, I thought it was kind of interesting, <clears throat> and I understand why they did it, but uh, I thought it was kind of interesting how, uh, you know, the NFL Network and ESPN and all those media outlets, like, didn't really want to acknowledge the fact that the Rams once won a Super Bowl as the St. Louis Rams, but I understand that because there's a pending lawsuit still going on between the city of St. Louis and, and Stan Kroenke, the owner of the Rams, Um so that was kind of interesting. You know, you have Kurt Warner up there, and he won as a St. Louis Ram. But, you know, you can't really say anything about the team in the city at the time. Um, but, you know, the the layout of the, the game and, you know, the stadium, I thought it was great. I thought it was interesting. They didn't have air conditioning. I, I didn't know that until you pointed that out to me about 48 hours before kickoff. Um, commercial-wise... I, I felt like it was just, you know, to drive the millennials to buy uh, Bitcoin. So I'm I wasn't really commercials. I wasn't really a fan of the commercials except for the um <clears throat> the Chevy Silverado one, the electric truck, only because I'm on a huge Sopranos kick. So when I heard the Sopranos theme song come on and I see Meadow Soprano, I'm like, oh shit, like, are they going to do like a, a Sopranos thing with like these guys? And it was just for the truck, but it was great to see the characters of Meadow and AJ and the music. And Tara was funny enough making lasagna in the kitchen when that commercial came on. And I'm like, Hein, Hein, put the lasagna down. You got to watch the Soprano commercial. <laughs> um, so I had that going for me, but like the commercials were kind of flat. Um, the the halftime show, I thought it was interesting. Thank God 50 Cent didn't have a brain aneurysm when he was hanging upside down. (laughs) But those are my takes. I, 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 I think, um, I think because we live in, in cold cities and you're watching the Super Bowl in LA, 
I think probably by halfway through the day, I got annoyed with the whole Super Bowl experience. Like you're constantly seeing sunny LA. You're seeing all these freaking stars. You're seeing everybody having a good time. Like I, I think halfway through the day, without even the game starting on Sunday, I was so over it. I'm like, I'm tired of seeing 75 degrees on TV. When I look outside, it's 15 degrees and everything is gray, you know? So for me personally, like I, I get it. And, and for the NFL, it was great. The stadium is beautiful. Stan Kroenke, you know, he's built something where like everybody needs to be seen uh, at, a, at a Rams game. I was telling my brother this comparison. It's it's almost it's almost got that Lakers vibe where you've got to be yep. seen in a press box uh, at the Rams game. So good for them, you know? I personally thought the commercials were, were crap for the most part. The Sopranos one went over my head because I didn't even know who they were. I've never watched the Sopranos show. But the truck itself, though, that new Silverado EV, I mean, that, that that's a nice-looking truck there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, never mind the fact that it's $100,000. But, you know, and then and on top of that, the halftime show, I, I didn't even watch it. Like, I... And maybe this is just me, but like with halftime shows, like I've been in so like obviously me as a Patriots fan and a Brady fan, I've been so lucky to watch ten Super Bowls over the last twenty years now. Like for me, the halftime shows were just a moment to breathe. I'd be so intensely into the games. I'm so like wound up tight emotionally. Like the ha- halftime show, I never would watch it. I would just kind of mute it or or go take like you know a little break or go for a walk. But the halftime show for me, I never really watched just because it was a time for me to kind of like. You know, decompress for a quick second before the second half started. So I didn't watch it this year either. I, you know, obviously I heard it was it was great, it was killer, but uh, I think overall the Super Bowl experience for me personally, I don't think it hit this year. You know, right? I just thought it was uh, it was funny. I I pointed this out to my wife uh, and uh, stepson. They they were actually watching the, a bit of the game, and and uh, my stepson Marky he came down to watch uh, the halftime show. And we were all just thought it was hilarious that, you know, they have Dr. Dre kind of acting like he's in a faux like recording studio, like playing with the soundboard type of deal. And it's like it was just like the kind of the worst acting I've ever seen. (laughs) But um, it was it was interesting. We were all waiting for like the hologram Tupac Shakur uh, mm-hmm. to come out that didn't happen i was kind of hoping ice cube would come out for like the nwa connection that didn't happen either but all in all like i thought it was a great halftime show it was better than the one with the weekend um probably uh, call it bias it, it does nothing really tops j-lo and shakira mm-hmm. at the moment but mm-hmm. it was definitely one of the better halftime shows i've seen in a long time yeah, could you imagine if they did a hologram Tupac? Like, dude, the the roof that, that place would have popped, would have just erupted. Why did you see Albert Breer's tweet? Because uh, uh, I was like uh, scrolling through Twitter. I'm sorry, Instagram post actually. And when Snoop was on stage performing, he said it smells about how you would think it would smell in the stadium right now. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when he's he's hitting a couple of uh, doobies on the way to the stage. You think people are lighting up in the stands as well? <laughs> you gotta, you gotta take, uh, you gotta take the edge off. Come on. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But uh, let's talk about the game itself. Um, Super Bowl Fifty Six has come and gone. Their Los Angeles Rams have won by now. If you guys out there are living in the rock and don't know, but they beat the Bengals. Uh, 23-20 was the final score. Uh, pretty good game. It had a little bit of everything. The Rams came out, jumped on the Bengals early. I thought I thought that game was going to be a little bit of a blowout. And before long, I thought it was going to be 40-17 to 17 or something, and the game would be over. But uh, I believe with about four minutes left in the second quarter, 
uh, Odell Beckham Jr. tore his ACL. Uh, had to be, uh, and he was gone for the rest of the game. And that's when the Bengals started making their comeback and they got into the game. Um, and it became a little bit of a st- defensive stalemate in the second half. So there's a lot to digest here, but I wanted to open to you to you first, Puma, and just get your initial thoughts on what you thought about the Super Bowl, you know, what you, th- what you thought was on the product in the field, and just, uh, you know, any kind of impressions. Yeah, the product was good. I was with you, Jay. I thought this was going to have blowout written all over it just because, you know, the, the Bengals are playing soft zone, which I understand because you have to, you know, respect Odell's talent. But, I mean, they didn't really even double team him. Eli Apple was just burnt toast all day. If, if it wasn't Odell killing him, it was, it was Cooper Cup that was killing him. Um, but um, the tide really did turn when Odell went down, unfortunately, when, when he tore his ACL on a non-contact injury. Um, I, at that point, I saw the wind get back into the sails of the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, they, they scored, you know, going into halftime, and then they have that bomb to... Jay, correct me if I'm wrong. Was it Tyler Boyd that got that 73-yard bomb? T. Higgins. Uh, T. Higgins. It was T. Higgins yep. that got the uh, the touchdown, uh, which, you know, we, we're going to get to the refs in a little bit about missing calls and, you know, all of a sudden throwing flags on everything the last five minutes. But, you know, the, the Bengals seem to be in the driver's seat. And, you know, for some reason that defense got gassed. The offensive line for the Bengals, in my opinion, I thought held up pretty decent you know, compared to what the expectation was, but down the stretch that, that offensive line got manhandled, uh, you know, Raheem Morris was, was bringing five on the rush every time, uh, and, you know, towards the end of the third quarter and in the fourth and the Bengals really didn't adjust. They didn't go in like max protection or anything. They didn't do a whole lot of screen passes to keep the defense honest. So it was kind of a lack of, you know, situational execution and adaptiveness on the fly. Um, but all in all, I thought it was a great game, um, considering how blowout was potentially written on it in the first uh, first quarter. Yeah, it was a good game, Puma. We I enjoyed the hell out of it. Came down to the last second. Came down to the last obviously drive by the by the Bengals. And I think for me, my initial thoughts are, you know, I think you really saw the inexperience of Zach Taylor on the grand stage. I mean, you saw Sean McVay do this back against Belichick three years ago against that Rams-Patriots uh, Super Bowl mm-hmm. where he just didn't adjust. He didn't get a feel for the game. He didn't realize what was happening. And Zach Taylor had the same thing because me and you were talking. We're like, for the love of God, throw a screen. I think you mentioned that. And I was thinking, that's perfect. Throw a screen here. They're so damn aggressive with that defensive line crashing in. Throw a screen, get behind them, get some yards. But I feel like every move he made, and I was thinking about this, Puma. I don't, I don't, I can't point out to one like great coaching move that he made. You feel me? Like he didn't protect Joe Burrow that well. He didn't uh, allow Joe Burrow to have command at the line of scrimmage, where he knew that the Bills was going to get the ball out as soon as possible. He he's drawing up. I understand that the Bengals' offense is a big play offense, um, and they have to obviously you know hold on to the ball before people get downfield. But maybe you got to have a couple of you know uh, changes in philosophy. Not not a big change in philosophy. But just a couple of tweaks here and there, where they could get some of these uh, some of these uh, quick uh, hitting plays out of out of Burrow's hands. So, I thought you saw you know from the Joe from the Cincinnati Bengals angle, you saw some inexperience there. And then on the other side for the Rams, 
Like, I feel so bad for OBJ. I mean, OBJ, before he, he can't hurt get a break. his ACL, dude, he looked really explosive. I, I couldn't believe it. That first touchdown he caught where he beat the DB off the line and he went up and caught it, I was like, that's New York Giants, Odell. And I tweeted at this moment, Odell Beckham is completely back 100% because obviously he came over from the Browns to the Rams. He still had to work through the system. He had to learn the offense um, for the first three, four weeks uh, of being a Ram. He wasn't even on the field for more than 25, 30% of the plays but you saw his workload increase as the season went on and you saw in the first round he had you know was it 60 yards and then i'm sorry 40 and then 60 yards the next uh game and then the nfc championship game he had 100 plus and he is at 52 yards within the first like quarter and a half and a touchdown i was like all right this dude's back he's about to impose his will on this game and then he obviously the the acl tear happens and i just felt so bad for him man i mean i just i've gone to a point now where i feel bad that people have been bashing for for so long because this is what i've learned about odell beckham jr if you want to protect eli manning and baker mayfield you batch odell beckham jr that's mm-hmm. basically what it became it became he became a punching bag for you know quarterbacks not living up to the hype so i was happy for him man and hopefully he can go through the rehab process and come back next year but you know let's move over to one of the things you mentioned puma about the officiating because the officiating for the most part of the game was amazing. I love the physicality of this game. I love the fact that the officials let them play. People were getting hands on each other. It felt like a little bit of, I'm not going to say 1980s, 1990s football, but it did feel like mid-2000 football where it, you know you can still put your hands on people. However, with the last two minutes of the game left, that went all out the window and the refs started imposing their will on the game. And I'm not one of these people, Puma, that buys into conspiracy theories. I don't. I just don't believe in them. But I feel like, you know, with what happened with the with the Rams, like, it just feels so dirty. It feels so wrong. The whole game was so clean. And then when it came down to it, the officials, the officials just started throwing flags left and right. So, you know, what's your what was your thoughts on some of the officiating calls in that Super Bowl, Puma? <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, yeah, with the with the Super Bowl, uh, the Super Bowl refereeing crew, I thought it was great. Um, I thought, you know, for three quarters and, you know, they, they just really swallowed the whistle and they, they let the guys play. And, I'm, you know, we, we talked about it last week on the pod. We're like, if the, if the referees let these guys play, it's going to be a great game. If it's like the crew that the, the AFC Championship game <clears throat> with the Bengals and the Chiefs, they swallowed the whistle. Super physical game. That's that's what everybody wants to see. They want to see that. They want to see points being scored. And I thought we were we were going to be in line for that. And, you know, the last the last two minutes, the last one minute of the game, all of a sudden, the laundry just started coming out. Um, I'm at the point, Jay, where I, I guess you can call it like I'm desensitized. Like it's yep, it was exactly. it was aggravating. It was aggravating to see you know that type of performance down the stretch from the referees. But at this juncture, I've been watching football long enough, and especially over the last couple of years, that it's almost to be expected that mm-hmm. some at some point the referees are going to show up. So like any really big major complaints of saying that the game is fixed or it, you know the fix was in they had to give the rams a super bowl because they were at home and it was cronky and you know it was all that stuff like that that's right up there with you know grandpa simpson and the headline old man yells at cloud like just just <laughs> yeah just stop like you know we can we also haven't talked about how there was clearly a missed call on that yeah. T Higgins that touchdown so. and mm-hmm. and nobody complained like T Higgins clearly grabbed that face mask and took Jalen Ramsey for a ride mm-hmm. and he got the touchdown for 75 yards and every all the referees were you know oh I didn't see anything it looked clean to me so 
I saw some people make the argument that this was like a makeup call, which, yeah, it sucks. But at the same time, I don't think that's a bridge too far of a comparison. Um, but, you know, they, they missed an offsides call that would have null and voided the Eli Apple holding call on the one yard line that gave them, you know, first and goal from the one and the rest is history. <clears throat> but in short, dude. Nothing surprises me with these referees. Anyone expecting the refs to be held accountable by Park Avenue isn't in tune with reality because clearly the NFL knows that the referee is a problem. But any news is good news, right, Jay? Like if you're in the news yep. cycle yep. and they're talking mm -hmm. about you, it's a good thing for the product. Mm -hmm. And they know that they got you by the balls because the ratings this season have been through the roof on every single game, even on some of these Thursday night football games earlier in the year. So you, they own the TV landscape. They know you're an addict. They know you're going to tune in. They know you're going to watch these games. And they know you're going to be bitching about the referees for the next three weeks or th you know three days after that game. But you're going to come back and watch more. So they don't care. I uh, First of all, I think the officiating, uh, the one call that you were talking about, the T. Higgins one, I thought you were actually going to say the – the offensive line falls struck by the Rams late in that game. That wasn't called either. We're basically that wasn't called either moved. at all. Exactly. But I'm at the point now, Puma, where I'm spot on with you. I'm just tired of even of like even like discussing this or bitching about it. Like I, I just don't have any more emotional like care anymore to get all worked up about these officiating crews. Because if that's the case, Puma, every single Sunday I was I'm gonna be a like an emotional wreck, just like losing my mind about this. So I've I've kind of made peace with it, realizing that it's part of the NFL game. I've actually caught gotten to the point now where. I believe they actively don't want to fix the problem because the like you can't be this naive and this dumb about it. Like you, if this was such a big problem in the league office, there would be some like action on it, but there isn't any. Yeah, they've done you know little things here and there where they have the the pool reporters come out afterwards and you you have some explanation. Some of the referees don't get bigger games if they're, the performance doesn't match. I get all that, but I feel like they could really turn this on its head and solve the problem. I just don't think they want to. I think they've taken that Jerry Jones approach where any press is good press, and all of us were talking about it. I mean, it sucks that we, you know this is the talking points that we have for the NFL on a Super Bowl after a Super Bowl, but that's just that's just the game they're playing, you know. So um, I don't think it's going to change anytime soon. The officiating has gotten progressively worse over the years, and you can't tell me with how smart the NFL is, with how successful they are at generating revenue and solving problems. They make ten plus billion dollars, you know, a year. They're, they that they can't fix this. They can't even take an approach to fixing this. I'm I'm convinced they like it the way it is. No doubt, and you know, also from a sports betting perspective, I got the Bengals at four and a half. So either way, they covered. So I was yeah. <laughs> I was a happy way, camper, happy, huh? regardless. Way, but either way, but, degenerate Puma's happy. Degenerate Puma was happy, but you know, at the same on the same token, you know, if. If the game was fixed, then I guess we shouldn't even really be thinking about Stephen Ross paying <laughs> Brian Flores allegedly to throw games to, to get a higher draft pick. I mean, the, the, the NFL is in bed with all these sports books like Caesars and FanDuel and DraftKings and Play Sugar House and, you know, insert sports book name here. If you really cared, then you would make sure that your referee crews were above board. I don't know how you fix it. I don't know if you pluck a bunch of people from college um, or or you start your own feeder program. But I, like you said, Jake, they don't care. They're not going to fix it. it. It is what it is. Well, and why would they? Put them we're going to have to learn. 115 million people watched the, the, uh, the, the Super Bowl. 
like 60 million people watch the AFC Championship game. 60 million people for an AFC Championship game. Like that's that's incredible. The numbers. I, I think I saw somewhere where like 94 or 95. Uh, of the top 100 shows this year or last year were NFL games. So let's be real 100%. Like, it's not going to change because you guys are still going to tune in and watch. You're still going to bet. We just saw that the state of New York had, what was it, how much, how many billions uh, last week alone with the Super Bowl? Was it like $7 billion or something like that? So Something like that. You guys aren't going to turn this off no matter what. I'm not blaming you because I'm right there with you as well. <laughs> hmm. Buckle well, up. Get used to it. Yeah, right. Let's move on to Matt Stafford. I know there's, uh, you know, Matt Stafford has kind of completed his story arc in the NFL. I mean, he spent 12 years paying the price in Detroit, but he gets traded away to Los Angeles and wins the Super Bowl in the first year. Now, this is two quarterbacks back-to-back. Last year, Brady leaving the Patriots going down and winning with the Buccaneers, and then, and then obviously Matt Stafford leaving Detroit and winning in L.A. in his first year. So, you know... It's a great story for Matt Stafford. Personally, he himself had a decent day. You know, he had three touchdowns, 283 yards, but he did also have two interceptions, uh, 89 quarterback rating. So, you know, what were your thoughts on Matt Stafford? You know, obviously we discussed this beforehand, before the Super Bowl even started. We thought he was a fringe Hall of Famer, but if he wins this, he's definitely a Hall of Famer now. And it looks like he cemented his legacy. But what's your thoughts on Matt Stafford in this game? I'm looking forward. Do you think he can come back and repeat? Um, I mean, the game, the, his game would kind of encapsulated what he's done all season. Like there were, you know, there were great moments, but there were also moments where, you know, the, he became an interception machine and it left you a scratch in your head. Um, but, you know, overall, his performance is good. Um, this is what Sean McVay wanted uh, when he went all in to, to get the quarterback of his dreams in, in, in Matt Stafford. And, you know, I kind of look at Stafford's career in Detroit as like the, what is it, the the movie Edge of Tomorrow with Tom Cruise, like live, die, repeat, live, die, yeah. repeat. Like that's mm-hmm. that's kind of what his, his life was like in, in the Motor City. Um, but... You know, can he do it again next year? I mean, that's going to be a tough ask because now, like Odell, Odell is going to pro- probably be out all of next year, all of this coming season because of the rehab with the knee, and it's a, it's his second time he tore it in that knee, so the rehab is going to potentially be a little bit longer. Um, but you got to figure that Robert Woods is going to be back in the fray, so it really shouldn't be that big of a drop off, if any at all. Um, so I think they could possibly do it. It's just how are they going to massage that salary cap to keep that defense together? Is Aaron Donald going to retire? Like, there's a lot of things that kind of came together all at the same time to get this. Um, I think they're going to be in the mix. They'll probably win the NFC West again. Um, so I, it's not the not that too bridge, uh, too far of a bridge to cross. Um, but I, I definitely think he cemented his legacy to be a Hall of Famer. Like you said, we talked about it last week. There's been a groundswell over the last 48 hours of people debating if he's a Hall of Famer or not. <clears throat> Let's be honest. Like, Dan Fouts is a Hall of Famer. Eli Manning's about mm-hmm. to be an Hall of Famer. But, yeah, Matthew Stafford's going to be a Hall of Famer. Like, just, yeah. just get ready for it. I don't know why it's that much of a debate. It's probably the toughest quarterback I've ever seen play football in my lifetime. Uh, so, yeah, he's going to be going to Canton. Probably not a first ballot, but he'll definitely be in. Yeah, and listen, and obviously I think he will get in because that's what the NFL um, has dictated with the people that have gotten in. I don't, I don't believe in it. I don't believe Kurt Warner, Matt Stafford, you know, Fouts or you know Eli Manning should be in the Hall of Fame. But it's not what I believe. It's actually what's what's you know what's happening now and what's happening. He's going to get in. So he cemented his legacy. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. I wouldn't put it past them getting back next year, Puma, because I this didn't sink in until I started thinking about this topic today for the podcast. 
But do you understand, like, two out of the last four Super Bowls the Rams have made? And do you understand that they've done it in an unconventional way where, you know, most of us say you shouldn't be, you know, trading away your first round picks, you know, you should be managing the salary cap in a certain way. You shouldn't be spending like, you know, coked out hookers like you would say, right? Um, but <laughs> but they are, and they're doing it in a completely different way. And Sean McVay, like, we got to give him his props. The guy took Jared Goff to the Super Bowl, and if Jared Goff was, didn't piss down his pants, you know, that defense held the Patriots to 13 points and Tom Brady. So I, I'm very impressed with what the Rams have done. I feel like they are smart and innovative enough to actually, you know, go out there and revamp this roster, given limitations. And I, and I think this is a good case for all those people that call into radio shows and say but you gotta keep an eye on the salary cap you can't pay tom brady two years 25 million dollars a piece without wrecking the sa- exactly exactly right like Mike, michael falgar always says the cap is crap and that is so good it's just a it's just a bunch of bs the owners feed you so that they can fatten their pockets at the end of the year this doesn't have to be set up I, yeah i get it they they you know disguise it as parody and everybody's you know competitive but at the end of the day it just puts a limit on how much they can spend regardless but the bigger point being i think the rams could seriously get back there and i would not be shocked if matt stafford walks away when he's done with his career with maybe another super bowl in his name right he's only what how old is he now let's look at matt stafford's age Let me type real quick. he's Early only 30s he's only 34 years old right yeah. let's say you get three to four more good years out of him at 38 that's not a far stretch i wouldn't be shocked one bit if he gets back into it crazy Crazy, no. crazy. Now, I got to ask you this question, kind of going off reservation for a minute. There's been a lot of rumblings of maybe Sean McVay isn't going to come back and coach the team. The, I'm in the camp of, I think it's just a ploy. I think he's going to yeah. come back. I don't really know where this this storyline narrative came out of. You know where it's coming know, from, right? Hours before kickoff. You know, you know it's coming from, right? It's coming from Sean McVay because he wants more money. He wants to get that paycheck. So that's, that's what all these stars and people in the NFL do. I mean, Colin Murray right now, we'll talk about him in a second. I think he's doing for money as well. This is just something that these people float out there, whether it's Aaron Rodgers, Sean McVay, for a bigger contract. But go ahead, make your point. I was just going to say, like, you're in the camp of he's coming back, yeah. and you just answered mm-hmm. it. Like, is it he actually wants to step away and have a family, or is this no. just, hey, pack up that Brinks truck? No, I mean, come on. The dude's 34 years old. I mean, he's, I'm sorry, 36 years old. He's living in in Hollywood. He just made two out of the last four Super Bowls. He's got it rolling. Like, the guy isn't going to walk away now, in my opinion. Like, he is the youngest coach to ever win a Super Bowl. Let that sink in for a second. He still has a long way to go, you know, to get to a point where Bill Belichick won a Super Bowl. I'm not going to say he's going to go out there and win six Super Bowls and be the greatest coach of all time, but he has a great start right now. The, the story on him is that, you know, he can build teams in a different way. He can look at problems. He can look at rosters. He can look at building a team in a unconventional way that most people laugh at and snicker at, but he's succeeding with it. I mean, you can't deny what he's done over the last four years. He, he was hired, what, five years ago, Puma? And in mm-hmm. the last four years, out of those four years, he made the Super Bowl twice. He's had winning records in all those four years now. And on top of that, the one down year he had, it was 9-7. and seven. That was because I believe they had a bunch of injuries. Um, so I, I think he's going to be back. I think it's just a ploy to get more money. Um, and I think it's just something that, you know, he'll be on the sideline next year. For sure. Now, let's move over to the other quarterback. Let's talk about Joe Burrow because, you know, as much as we love Joe Burrow on this podcast, I think he's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the NFL right now. 
he he did look shaky at times. Uh, obviously, his offensive line let him down. His his stats in the Super Bowl weren't that great. Uh, you know, sixty six completion percentage, two hundred sixty three yards, and a touchdown. But he definitely did show up in key moments, except for the last drive where Aaron Donald, you know, was uh, was in his face within two seconds. Actually, on the last play, from a fourth and one, I don't know if you went back and watched in the video, but Jamar Chase completely. He's open completely yep. dusted Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey was on the ground, and he was wide open. Unfortunately, the offensive line couldn't give him uh, some time, and, and obviously that's how the game ended. But, you know, what were your thoughts walking away with Joe Burr's performance, and what's the future looking for him? Um, his performance, you know, considering all the magic that that team has had throughout the entire postseason and down the stretch of the regular season, I mean, obviously it was a down moment for Joe for Joe Burrow stat wise. I mean, his his yardage number is really buoyed by the fact of that seventy five yard bomb he threw to T Higgins. Um, if he didn't have that, I think he was he would have been sitting at like one hundred and sixty yards or something like that. But you know, on, on in totality, you know, looking at the offensive line, um, they they did the best they could, but he just he didn't have a whole lot of time. Um, I'm not too worried about Joe Burrow. I think he's going to be back to another Super Bowl. I think this is just the beginning for Joe Burrow. He's going to be like you know top three, top five quarterback in the AFC, like we were saying over the last couple of weeks of this pod. I'm not worried about Joe Burrow. Uh, even even uh, after. You know, he hurt his knee, and I, I thought, Jay, I thought we saw another person tear yep. an ACL, and we yep. just we just lost Joe Burrow for the upcoming season. Uh, but, you know, that kid, tough as nails. I, I keep saying it, Jay, it's got to be the water in Athens, Ohio, because mm-hmm. that, dude is, that dude is tough as nails, boy. But um, I, think the, I think the future's bright. Um, in the draft, uh, I would use all of my picks on building an offensive line mm-hmm. and going after maybe Teron Armstead, the uh, free agent offensive lineman from the New Orleans Saints, and getting him uh, up to Cincinnati and see if he likes Skyline Chili. <laughs> Who didn't like Skyline Chili? I had some in honor of Joe Burrow today. Nice, nice. I gotta go out there and get that shit. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, listen, uh, we've we've you know gone on for. Uh, what the four or five podcast now about how much we love Joe Burrow. We're not going to rehash all of it. Yeah. He had obviously a, a down game in his bias standards, but it's not all on his fault. I mean, he had no help from his coaching staff or his offensive line, but the one thing about the kid is man, he got sacked seven times, but he doesn't blink. I, I think I've never seen this where I think I saw this pre 2008 Brady injury where no matter how many times you hit him, he was still going to be a statue in the pocket. And obviously after his ACL injury, he was a little bit more jittery, but this kid, even after his ACL injury from last year, the, no matter how hard you hit him, he, he's not going to face him. He just gets up and keeps slinging. And I think it goes back to his upbringing. He used to play cornerback uh, back in high school, I believe. And, you know, he, he seeked out contact. He's a very physical player. He's even said on many occasions that, you know, he he doesn't feel like he's in the game until he gets hit a couple times. When's the last time a quarterback has said that? So we're not worried about Joe Burrow. He's going to be back. Hopefully it's not a Dan Marino situation. And I don't think he will be. But we did this for the Rams. But let's do a quick little future outlook for, for the Bengals as well. And you started the conversation with obviously spending a lot of draft capital on the offensive line. But I think for, for me, man, like, you know, when you look at team building this offseason for the Bengals, 
you've you've got to a obviously build the offensive line. That's number one. But you've got to have like a meeting of the minds between Zach Taylor and and Joe Burrow and kind of work on that philosophy of well, listen, if we are getting hammered and we can't protect you, we've got to get a, we've got to get around that somehow, right? There's gonna be games I get it where Aaron Donald and Von Miller just gonna wreak havoc on your offensive line and you're not gonna have an answer. At that point, you've got to have a couple of fastballs, whether it's the running game or the screen game or the quick slant game, whatever it is that you gotta morph your your um, offense from a deep play, big play offense to a more, you know, middle of the field, quick slants, five yards, Mac Jones type of offense where you're throwing at the line of scrimmage. I'm not, this is the only time I'm going to use that as a positive, you know? This is the right. like complete opposite where you've got to kind of rein him in a little bit. But I, I think that's going to be key more than anything uh, is to go out there and, and try to have a, a, a evolution of the offense. For sure, for sure. Because, you know, if, if they did a screen pl- a couple of screen plays and, and granted, I don't know if maybe the lack of screens was because Samarje Ryan, who's normally like the change of pace back and the, the pass catching back out the backfield, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if maybe he missed a few walkthroughs this week, but mm-hmm. like he just didn't seem like himself. He didn't seem like he was on the same page with Joe Burrow and the offensive play scheming. And it was kind of like that with um, with the Kansas City game. You know, it, besides, you know, he, he, he bailed himself out by getting that, you know, that touchdown uh, in the comeback against the Kansas City Chiefs two mm-hmm. weeks ago, but in the Super Bowl, he kind of he kind of had some head scratching moments uh, and, and left Joe Burrow a little bit hanging out to dry. But um, I, they're definitely going to be they'll be back in the mix for the Super Bowl. They're definitely going to I think that they're going to win the uh, the AFC North. I think they're 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 the best team uh, in the AFC North, and that's saying something with with Baltimore still there. But who knows what's going to go on with that defense with Wink Martindale leaving and. You know, Lamar is going to be in the middle of the contract extension talks in the offseason. And, you know, we, we all know what Lamar is and what he isn't. Um, but I definitely think they're going to be back in contention. contention uh, top well, five team, in my opinion. Definitely going to win the AFC North. Well, let me ask you this, because obviously the AFC is just so loaded. And I think for me personally, I think the top dogs in the AFC are still the Chiefs and the Bills. And mm-hmm. I've got a sneaky suspicion of the Bills next year. Like... I am not advising you to put any money on it, Puma, but I'm going to really consider putting money down on the Bills because I feel like they're pissed off. They want to get what's theirs. But regardless, I feel like even though the Bengals came off of a Super Bowl appearance, I think it's still a Chiefs versus Bills kind of league in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Am I am I overstating that? Should I be thinking differently? Because after that, you're looking at, obviously, the Bengals. You're looking at the Ravens. I think the Ravens are going to be good next year. I think once they're healthy, Puma, at, at some point in the middle of the season this year, even with all their issues, they were still, like, number one in the AFC. Do you remember that? Like, around week eight-ish? Yep. They were still, like, you know, performing. So I think they'll be back. And I'm... I'm really fascinated to see what happens in the AFC West. Obviously, if Aaron Rodgers lands in Denver, then that they become somebody in the mix. I'm a big fan of Justin Herbert, and I think hopefully Brennan Staley doesn't play Madden on the football field. You know, maybe they can win some more games. But I'm kind of liking what I'm what I'm seeing and hearing out of Oakland. And I'm sorry, Las Vegas. And maybe this is my sister rubbing off on me here, right? But like, I'm, I'm liking that fact that Josh McDaniels have fully embraced their car. They're talking about ideas about how they're going to change the offense. They're thinking about offering them an extension. And obviously, Josh McDaniels brought a bunch of people over from New England when it comes to the offensive staff. So, dark horse candidate out of the AFC. Well, keep an eye out for the Raiders. But the bigger point mm-hmm. being, there's a lot of teams in the AFC. I haven't even talked about the Patriots yet, who I have really little respect for. But obviously, they're going to be a tough out. So, like, there's a lot of teams there to get back in the Super Bowl. And my question to you is, how, how hard is it going to be for those guys to come back next year? Because obviously, the Rams have an easier path, right? 
Oh, yeah, the Rams have an easier path. I mean, you know, the, the Cardinals are kind of a disarray. Who knows what's going to happen with Russell Wilson? And especially if Rodgers moves from the NFC to the AFC, well, that just changes the whole landscape there, too. Um, but AFC-wise, it is, you know, like you said, the deepest the deepest division in the NFL. Um, I, I still, like I just said, I got the Bengals winning the AFC North. Um, yeah, there's always a potential for the Super Bowl hangover. Uh, but... You know, it is gonna the 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 playoffs are gonna either go through Arrowhead or it's gonna go through through Orchard Park and, and Buffalo. Um, I'm I'm definitely with you there. Those two teams are the chalk. Um, I you know call it bias, call it whatever, um, but I lean towards Buffalo. Um, they kept mostly everything intact. Yeah, Brian Dayball left uh, to be the head coach of the Giants, but Ken Dorsey, who was the quarterbacks coach, um, who a lot of people have a lot of respect for Dorsey in that uh in that building is now going to be the offensive coordinator no i think uh i think that landscape is is definitely going to be a tough sledding i think it's going to go through buffalo and and hell jay even the dolphins i mean like mm-hmm. you know they hired mike mcdaniel you know who knows if they're going to use waddle like a debo samuel type of role um good lord that's going to be a fun team to watch like that's that's definitely going to be a fun team to watch and could potentially make some noise in the AFC as well too. Like the the AFC is so deep uh, that Dude, we haven't talked about crazy. the Titans yet. The Titans will be one team this year. Nope, it's crazy. It's crazy. This is the deepest deepest division I've seen in the NFL in a very very long time. Well, listen, when we were growing up, like there were definitely Hall of Famers in the AFC. Like we always knew. I always knew as a Patriots fan. I we had to go through with the Ravens at some point with Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and obviously uh, Terrell Suggs, and then we had to go through Pittsburgh Steelers. We joke about Big Ben now, but there was a point where Big Ben and that offense with Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and that defense were something to be feared. And then we had to go through Peyton Manning, obviously, right? But that was only four teams, three or four teams. We're talking Bills, Chiefs, Titans. Bengals, uh, Ravens, uh, Chargers, I mean, Denver, if they land Aaron Rodgers, Raiders, I mean, we're 7 18 Patriots somehow, Miami Dolphins. That's 10 teams right there that are, are scary and somebody you gotta really put some effort into beating on a week to on a, on a yearly basis. Mm hmm. So. I'm already I'm already fired up for next season. Let's go, baby. Let's go. I'm ready to go too, especially especially with the new head coach. Let's go, <laughs> dude. We got we got to go up to Buffalo this year, man. We gotta we yep, got to go. We gotta we gotta coordinate something with Lindsay and Alex. Let's do it. I'm looking at the home schedule right now. They got the Packers, Vikings, Browns, Jets, Dolphins, Patriots, Tennessee, and Pittsburgh. Dude, any of those games, any of those freaking games, besides maybe like the Jets, like that, that's gonna be a fun time. Mm-hmm. And we gotta drag the wife up there too. It's gonna be great. Be- Tara ter- better not, better not, you know, bitch out this time, okay? Bitch out this time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Look, look at the away schedule real quick. Uh, they're playing Baltimore, Bengals, Chicago, Detroit, Kansas City, uh, Rams, Jets. Okay, I mean, yeah, that's interesting. All right, Puma, let's move on to. Uh, let's. Uh, let's I think that really. Do you have any other points you want to get to the Super Bowl before we move on to some Kyler Murray news? No, I think uh, I think we're good to put a bow on the Super Bowl, and uh, I think it's the perfect time to segue to um, Diva quarterback news updates. And who called it first? Who called the Diva quarterback you news did. first? The All right. captain of the, the the captain of the <laughs> podcast, 
Jay Chima hit the nail on the head, and I'm not going to steal your thunder. What did you call weeks ago on the podcast, Jay? Listen, listen, let me give you guys a quick update on the Kyler Murray saga because this kind of all started happening a couple of days leading up to the Super Bowl, and it kind of got buried a little bit. But I believe uh, sometime in the middle or late last week, Kyler Murray goes and unfollows the Arizona Cardinals Instagram and Twitter page and all the social media. He scrubs all of the Arizona-related content from his social media. Uh, and that's like in today's day and age of burning somebody. You got to turn into a 16-year-old girl to do it in today's day and age. But after that, a couple of days later, reports came out around the Super Bowl that, you know, basically the team was saying he was immature. He's a bad leader. He thinks the organization is out to get him. And then today, Kyle Murray responds with a post saying something to the effect of, you know, uh, this isn't what I'm about. Um, I'm here to play for myself and the team, blah, blah. So it seems like there's a lot of friction there between Kyler Murray you know, who he is as a leader, as a personality. Um, I kind of saw this in the middle of the year where I started bringing it up a couple of times to you guys. And at that point, you guys weren't seeing it, but we're starting to see more information come out now. But he seems like he, whenever there's something going bad on the field, he tries to distance himself from that situation, right? And a case in point being, you know, he, he'll throw a pick where he'll throw a bad throw. It'll be on the inside instead of the outside. It gets picked off and his immediate reaction, instead of looking at himself first or not saying anything at all, he starts pointing up and showing the wide receiver on national TV. That's always a red flag for me, you know? Another report came out that against the Rams in the playoff game, the game was basically over. He took himself out of the game. Cole McCoy, the the, the mature you know quarterback in that room, was saying, "Hey, maybe you should go back out there, finish this game with your teammates. It would be a good sign that you're there with them." But he still decided to distance himself from the team and the bad play, and kind of you know wash his hands of it and stay out of the game. So. You know, what I want to ask you, Puma, is what do you think is the motive for Kyler Murray? Do you think this is money-related? A lot of times, these stars nowadays, or even coaches today in today's day and age, will float out the idea of being unhappy somewhere, or they're going to look into retirement, you know, if they don't, if they want to, you know, uh, stir the talks about a new contract. Do you think it's that, or do you think there's something else going on here, where maybe Kyler wants out of Arizona and isn't happy with the organization? Um, I think it's a, a little bit of a, a mix of two things i mean he's coming to the end of the you know the rookie contract so i think he's got one more year left and then the fifth year option because uh, he was in the same draft class as um as uh, daniel jones and i think that's you know that's the same boat that dj's in um but i think it's a mix of he wants to get paid he wants his guaranteed cash and um i, I i'm thinking it's a little bit more towards the organization because jay you know about halfway through the season when we started seeing the body language issues and the rumblings coming down from the bidwell family about you know we can't have a collapse like we did last year down the stretch you know i think the, those expectations got heaped onto him and he just he couldn't handle it i mean he's saying he's saying that he feels like him kyler murray is being made out to be a scapegoat for their playoff loss it's not a scapegoat if it's the truth you were that bad in that game uh that it you know it wasn't really the offensive line's fault it wasn't the defense's fault it wasn't your wide receiver's fault you just straight up made carson wentz look amish when wentz short circuits and throws picks like he had horrendous interceptions in that playoff game that's nobody else's fault but himself and you saw reports of you know he's not the uh what's the direct quote he's the he's not the typical 
first guy in, last guy out of the building type of deal. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he wants to kind of stick to himself. He's got a close circle. He's super quiet. He really only discusses things with this old man. And we, you know, we saw rumblings of that leading into the draft uh, when uh, when he got drafted by the Arizona Cardinals. Like he, he didn't really know what to do when he was communicating with the media. So he'd always defer to what his dad should say for him. Um, so th- there's a lot of red flags. Um, personally, I think he, he's going to be back in Arizona. I think they're going to, you know, come and, and, and make amends on, on certain things. Um, I definitely think Cliff Kingsbury is going to be on the, the, the top coach on the hot seat next year, uh, considering the back-to-back, you know, collapses down the stretch. Um, which, is, was... which, is, which is, I get your point, but it's so stupid. Like, and Cliff Kingsbury went 2-1 and one with Cole McCoy. Like, yep. do we, like, do we not understand he went 2-1 and one and he had this team undefeated? And, and I'm just, I'm sorry to cut you off. I'm just getting annoyed with Kyler Murray uh, and who he is because it seems like we're in this day and age now where, like, if you don't like what's happening with your situation, then you can just, like, ask, you know, in this player empowerment era, you can just, like, sort of quit on your team and nobody's going to say boo, right? I mean, at the end of the day, the Cardinals have provided him with everything look at their roster you got deandre hopkins jj watt uh, aj green they went out and got him zach Gerson traded for him their defense is loaded i mean i just i don't understand what else this guy wants it's not the rest of the team's fault it really is you in this situation because mm-hmm. like well, let's be real when you were gone they were playing well football you came back and your play wasn't up to snuff maybe you were still hurt maybe your small frame is becoming a problem now in the nfl because this is now two years in a row where you got hurt came back and you weren't the same like i pointed out to you puma after his he, he came back from his injury he's throwing the ball like cam newton like both his mechanics are so off <coughs> both his feet are pointed to the line and he's putting everything he has in his shoulder and his arm to get the ball out there and they're just floating and sailing so i really don't understand what his problem is i think he's a big crybaby he's he's a big crybaby yep no you're absolutely right but i think the bidwells are gonna you know part ways with uh, with Cliff Kingsbury before they get rid of Kyler Murray. And, you know, we were talking about this offline, but I'll say it here too. You know, I think that fear is because I personally believe there is a very good chance within the next, say, 24 months or so that if Kyler Murray is not a happy camper, he will pick up his ball, he will go home, and he will go back to playing baseball. You can put it on the board here, February 15th of 2022. Within the next 24 months, I would not be surprised if he goes to play baseball. So in 24 months, he'll be 24 now, so he'll be 26. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, I don't understand baseball, but is he is he a hot prospect? I mean, is he gonna make a lot of? Oh money? yeah, he it, was the first. He was the first round draft pick by the Oakland A's. He was a uh, he was under contract. He was ready to go play for the Oakland A's, and I think he was gonna play in high double A ball. Would have been on the fast track to be in the big leagues, um, but he worked out a deal with the A's that he wanted to go back to school uh, at Oklahoma for one more year. And he wanted to play quarterback. Um, and that's when he got all that buzz for the Heisman. And then he won the Heisman and he decided to tell the, the Oakland A's to go kick rocks and he was going to play football, play football. But no, Kyler Murray was one of the top draft prospects in major league baseball. Uh, I believe he was going to play shortstop. If I recall correctly, it was either shortstop or second base. But he was definitely one of the top guys and was going to be fast-tracked to the big leagues. I mean, I just, I just, I just find it fascinating that this guy is going to cry 
go home and go play a different sport. Like, I mean, we're just in a, such a... I don't want to talk to the old man in the room, Puma, and, and I hate the fact that I'm even at this point. Like, I'm only 32 years old, and I'm saying this crap that, like, you can't just quit when life gets hard. Like, I understand you're going through a rough patch right now, but, like, you can't just, like, bury your head in the stand and then go play baseball and pretend like these problems don't exist. Like, these these same problems will follow you to Oakland. You're going to have a rough stretch in Oakland where you're not going to win a few games and your performance is going to be great. How are you going to react then? Like, go back to the NFL? Like, I always say, Puma, you can leave your spouse, you can leave your relationship, you can leave your city, you can leave your job, but you are who you are, and that's going to follow you to your next endeavor. And and I just don't understand, what, like you know, why he's throwing a, a hissy fit at this stage in his career. Well, that's you know that kind of encapsulates society as a whole, right? Like that's kind of the softification of of society. If you mm-hmm. know the going gets tough, like we don't grit, we don't bite down on the piece of wood and persevere. We just you know kick and scream and get our way, and that's that's what happens. But that's a different discussion for another podcast because we could probably spend a good hour on what society's woes is when it comes to not being mentally tough <laughs> where's all the rip wheeler we need more rip wheelers out we here we need more know? rip wheeler and beth and beth wheeler <laughs> and john dutton and even even the uh, the old man in the bunkhouse whose name i'm lloyd. I'm, I'm spacing lloyd, lloyd. we yeah. need more lloyd in, in the world too we would be it would be a better place if we had more of those guys mm-hmm. in real life, but that's well, a, that's a discussion for a different day. Yeah, right. Well, Puma, speaking of uh, diva quarterbacks, you said oh, you had a couple of thoughts on your favorite quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. Oh my God, my favorite one, who's you know good friends with Doctor Joe Rogan, and I'm saying that as a guy that listens to Joe Rogan, and I actually enjoy him, but. Um, you know, if he again, if he lived under a rock over the last couple of weeks, um, the NFL awards came out and Aaron Rodgers went back to back MVP. And it, it seemed kind of interesting because, you know, throughout the whole offseason last year, and you know, beginning of training camp this year, there was a lot of um, acrimony between him and the ownership of the, the Packers and the general manager, Brian Gutekunst on you know, roster management and how he wants out to be, he wants to be traded out of there. And they, they, they got a, a, a work, you know, a spoken gentleman's agreement that by, you know, the end of the year, they'll work on getting a trade partner. But then you, you watch his NFL award speech and then you look at his Instagram posts and it seems like he's either going to do one of two things in my opinion he's either going to come back as a green bay packer and the packers are going to massage the salary cap to make it all work so it's not a rebuild um or he's just going to ride off into the sunset and retire a green bay packer um i personally am starting to think maybe retirement isn't that far out of the realm of possibility like if if i had to rank if i had to rank things today jay i would say Return to the Packers, retirement, play with a different team. I think the going back to the Packers or retirement are the leaders in the clubhouse, in my own opinion. Just kind of reading the tea leaves and seeing, you know, what some of the beat reporters have been saying. Like they they're also in the same kind of thought process as myself too. Of they might make it work with Gudekunz because he couldn't shut up about Gudekunst and the ownership and the previous general manager of the Packers and and his current head coach and Matt LaFleur during the speech ceremony or his Instagram post. And, you know, that's the complete 180 of what was happening, you know, in the summer months leading into training camp. So um, I I think it's either he's going back to Green Bay or he's going to retire. 
Yeah, I think um, I think I'm starting to realize he this whole ploy of him asking for a trade and not being happening in Green Bay. I think it's just about money. Like I, I, I'm not, I don't want to like you know, roll it down to something that simple. But I, I'm starting to quickly realize this guy might be smarter than he's letting on because now he's talking about being the highest paid quarterback again, and he's about to get forty five million dollars a year from the Packers, and how hard it is going to be for him to walk away from that. And like I'm thinking about it, and logically it makes no sense. Logically it makes no sense for him to ask his way out of the Green Bay Packers, which is, a, by all accounts, I mean, the, the GM and the head coach did a great job building a great team around him with some great weapons and great defensive pieces as well. It's not their fault that he whittles in the playoffs. But regardless, you know, if he was to leave the NFC North, I mean, he's beating up on cupcakes when it's the Lions and the Vikings and the Bears, and he goes to the AFC West and he has to play Patrick Williams twice, Justin Herbert twice, and Josh McDaniels and, the, and Carr and the Raiders twice. I mean, like that—that's a tough pill. Pill. That's a tough, you know, uh, hill to climb. On top of that, let's say he goes to the AFC North. He's got to play Joe Burrow and the Bengals twice. I mean, the Browns have a stacked roster. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers—they're always going to be in it. You know that. No matter how how bad a situation is, a quarterback for Mike Tomlin, he's going to have an answer. He's going to win a few games. And then obviously the Ravens. We just talked about how the Ravens were, you know, despite having so many injuries this year, we're still in the hunt in the middle of the season and we're the number one seed. So they're not going away. I just I just don't think like logically looking at it from afar, it seems like the best option for him is staying in Green Bay. He's with a storied franchise. His legacy, obviously, it's not great because he's kind of faltered in the playoffs quite a bit now, but he is attached to Green Bay Packers' legacy. I mean, that's that's a big brand in itself, and aligning yourself with that is great. So, Puma, I, unless he's going to go ahead and retire, I don't think he's leaving Green Bay. I don't think so either. And, and Jay, like, you know, you're spot on with whittling down the playoffs. I mean, we, we've been saying it the last couple of years on the pod that, you know, he uh, he plays like Tarzan in the regular season. Then he looks like Jane when the games actually matter in the postseason. Um, but with all that being said, like, is anybody in Green Bay really crying, calling for his job? You know what I'm saying? Like, like he's, he's got good yeah. job security. Like, nobody's asking for him to yeah. be fired. Nobody's really rushing to have Jordan Love bang down the doors to be the next quarterback for the Packers right now either. Like, he's got it made. Like, he could get another contract. He'll get he'll get another two years. He'll, get, he'll be the highest-paid quarterback again. He'll be a happy camper. Because we saw this. Um, Jay, correct me if I'm wrong. It was when Matt Stafford was with the Lions. He just got that contract extension that made Stafford the highest paid quarterback in the league. And didn't A-Rod start crying and being the mm-hmm. squeaky wheel and yeah. then the Packers gave him what he wanted? Mm-hmm. Well, it seems like, I think with Aaron Rodgers, his his vanity is a serious issue here. Like he needs to know he's the best quarterback in the NFL and he's not. But the one way you can make that, you can help him understand that, that he is, is by paying him a lot of money. If you pay him as the best quarterback in the NFL, he in his, you know, dumb mind can lie to himself and say, yes, I am the best quarterback in the NFL when he's clearly not. Right. So Mm -hmm. I I think a lot of this is money related. I think he is full of crap. Uh, I think the joy Roddy took for his last off season with the, I'm not happy there. It's not about money. It's about pride. Um, you know, I was hurt, blah, blah. I'm not, I might retire. I might go to Jeopardy. I think all that is just BS. And I think he's a he's a very good, I think, con man in the sense where he's, mm-hmm. he's throwing all these crazy stories out there, reframing. And this is, this is a great salesman technique where you reframe the whole argument. You know, it's not just about him retiring. Now it's about, you know, I want the, the, the most money and I want to be traded away. There's so much out 
that you don't know what's true, and then he's gonna come to the table with his actual demand, which is forty five million dollars a year, and the Packers are gonna be like, of course, yes, please come, let's sign it tomorrow, you know? Right, exactly. So, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I think it's really interesting what's happening in Green Bay. I I, I don't think. Uh, that that Titans thing where he bought that land and he started building a house that that I know is uh, I know everybody poo pooed it and said they shut it down very quickly. I just I just don't know why. I just got a feeling there's something there, and I think that makes sense because logically, like I said, AFC North, AFC West doesn't make sense, right? Uh, NFC, I don't really see any landing spots see there. The Titans though, that makes sense. You've got the Jags, you've got the Texans, ew. You've got the Colts. I mean, come on, what are we gonna? <laughs> I'll take the Titans and Aaron Rodgers over the Colts any other week. That that if you took everything away, Puma, if you just took the stories away about them shutting it down, it's not gonna happen, and the Titans GM coming out saying we believe in Tannehill. Does that kind of make sense? Doesn't that kind of make yeah, sense does. a little bit there, right? I, I just yeah. for some reason that has never left me. Um, the fact that he's building a house down there. And they're the number one seed this year with a ready-made Super Bowl team. They could be the Buccaneers of last year and the Rams of this year, whether you insert the quarterback into that team and you're in the Super Bowl and you're winning it. Mm-hmm. So. Good point. I could buy that too. So I, I think that that's going to be interesting to see how that how that plays out. But other than that, like you know, there's you know there's the off seasons here, Puma. There's there's a lot that's going to happen, and the NFL truly is the best reality TV show, right? Uh, even though it's the off season, we're going to have so many storylines. Um, I know me and you personally are going to take a couple of weeks off, just kind of recharge, but we'll be back with some storylines as well. Um, but you know, just spitballing here, I, I, I'm really trying to see what my Patriots are going to do. There's, there's some rumblings that uh, our boy Bill Belichick spent some time with uh, Urban Meyer down in Mar-a-Lago. So uh, there's people making the connection between that, right? <laughs> oh, don't worry. You're going to have Joe Judge, Matt Patricia, and um, Urban Meyer as uh, what is it? Offensive assistance. Offensive assistance. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So. Right, because I'll, the I'll, big hail mary still is uh, somehow prying Bill O'Brien away from uh, Nick Saban, mm, which um, yeah. I, I mean, think uh, that wet dream is going to need a towel. Yeah. Well, the latest is that apparently Adam Gase spent a lot of time last year in practices with the Patriots. He kind of snuck in the back door. Um, the yeah, thought he took process the is. Salt. The thought process is Adam Gase is going to be the the offensive coordinator um, next year for the Patriots. Joe Judge is going to supplement uh, and help out Adam Gase as the offensive assistant. Um, so I think what's happening is Belichick understands. You know he had the luxury of having Tom Brady there uh, for twenty years, and obviously Josh McDaniels was the extension of Tom Brady. So he didn't have to worry about offense, but now he realizes he needs some brain power. Um, and I think in his mind, Adam Gase and Joe Judge are brain power, which I, I'm just befuddled that that's his thought process. So uh, that that seems to be where this is all headed. And uh, if you think I was uh, pissed off last year, Puma, wait till next year. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna see a whole new level of rage out of Jay. But no, the, uh, like you said, Jay, the the off season it's it's never really a, a slow time. <laughs> we'll have a couple of weeks off, and then you know we'll start getting into you know. What are the Dolphins going to do in the draft? What are the Pats going to do? We haven't even addressed like this lawsuit that Brian Flores keeps updating after every team passes him for a job. Um, what's going to happen with Dan Snyder and his the NFL actually reopening the sexual harassment allegations uh, in an investigation? There's so much going on, and we haven't even gotten to Deshaun Watson yet. So mm-hmm. we need to mm-hmm. 
definitely recharge the batteries. Um, I feel like Robin Williams in Jumanji when he comes out of the game with like the banana peel outfit and he's like, what year is it? Like that's that's kind of what I feel like uh, with my wife when the season's done. And it's like, hey, hon, I'm back. And it's like, what year is it type of deal? So, yeah, it's good to recharge the batteries, Jake. I'm happy to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited not to think about the Patriots and get triggered for for about at least a month or so. You know what I'm saying? Because right. I've already I've already got things to say. I'm not even going to mention the fact that Bill Belichick didn't go to the Senior Bowl. He was vacationing with his girlfriend. Or Bill Belichick is down in Mar-a-Lago hobnobbing with President Trump or former President Trump while his coaching staff is in disarray. I'm not going to bring any of that up. It's okay. <laughs> I know, Jay. You got something to say? You got something to say? <laughs> nope, nope. Don't, don't get me started. There's a lot there that I don't want to unleash now. So we'll save it. We'll table it for the rest of, for the offseason. It's going to be a long one. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, we definitely need some uh, material for the shoulder months. But, um, but, well, but, last point, Pooh. I'm sorry. You, you just you brought it out of me. There we go. This guy's not going to the Senior Bowl anymore. He's literally on vacation. Last year, during free agency, he was on a boat down there somewhere. Like, the guy's not putting in the time anymore. Everybody everybody has this hard on for Belichick, and he's a genius, and he puts the time in, and no days off was his, was his motto. And this dude doesn't even go to Senior Bowl anymore? The freaking Senior Bowl? Like, what are we doing here? Uh, Jay, what's the, what's the phrase I heard a lot? Chestnut checkers? Uh, dude, it's Connect Four, and he's losing at it. <laughs> on that note. It's on tic-tac-toe. That note. It's tic-tac-toe, and he's losing at it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's fuck it up now before I go on this rant. <laughs> Christ, you're about to kill me here. Uh, this episode of the podcast and previous episodes of the pod can be found on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, um, and Apple Podcasts under Pro Football Radio Podcast. Uh, be sure to hit that little bell button on the YouTube page for the you know, to subscribe. Once the captain is done slicing and dicing the videos, you'll be notified when it's in your feed uh, to check that out on that platform. Uh, Apple Podcasts, be sure to leave a five-star rating and review. Uh, definitely helps get the exposure out to the masses. And with the off-season coming up, definitely be sure to leave a comment or a question in the comment section, I should say. And uh, you know we'll be more than happy to oblige and answer it on the pod social media facebook instagram pro football radio podcast twitter at pfr podcast i'm on the twitter machine brando underscore puma jay chima the captain of the ship on the ones and twos is at jay chima uh, our dms are open be sure to hit us up on there as well too and uh you know hope you uh, guys rest recharge your batteries as well too we got a long off season to go. And we're going to need all the energy we can get. But uh, definitely looking, to, looking forward to a little break. And uh, we'll talk to you guys in a couple weeks. Another successful year, Puma. i the podcast. It never gets old. I love it so much. Love the NFL. And it's over. And uh, we'll talk to you guys in a couple weeks. Bye, Arcondios. <laughs> <laughs>